Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A difficult process of any Christian in any era, I believe, is the difficulty of waiting. We find it very difficult to be inactive in a need or in a want. This is how difficult waiting is for us in our modern days, especially. Uh, we have hard time waiting in line. How I many of you somewhat get a little frustrated when you're waiting in line more than 10 minutes? I think many of us get a little bit frustrated about that. Uh, we have hard time waiting for food. You're in the fast food, uh, fast food uh, drive-thru, and uh, you're waiting there five minutes. You're like thinking, this is supposed to be fast food. And uh, you're a little frustrated, and you're a little uh, somewhat uh, anxious to get out of the drive-thru and get your food, and your kids are crying in the back, and they want their, you know, a happy meal and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, nothing is fast enough for us in this modern time. We find hard time waiting to maybe contact somebody. You call them, they don't answer. You text them. Next thing you know, if they don't answer, you Facebook message them. You try to Instagram them. Or you do well, as much as possible. You try to contact that person. You have so many sources now. You try to email them too. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you, know uh, you, can, you can always find people too, you know. And if I want to find somebody that... I knew in college or maybe in high school, you could go to the social media and try to find that person, and, and you don't have to wait, and you don't need to so much try to contact somebody else over the phone. No, uh, you could just go online and try to look that person up. And uh, how many of you try to look your uh, own name up on Google? Raise your hand. Just for you of you, huh? Okay. And, uh, you know, we're prideful people, amen? But anyways, uh, I put my name down, Jimmy Pack. I'm like the, you know, seventh person because my picture's on the website and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, it's very interesting. And, and, uh, but in every way, uh, uh, we live in a very fast-paced society, and, and communication is always going, and, and there's nothing to wait for. And, and, uh, and I think even at the workplace, and uh, as we think about uh, this uh, millennial time, you know, we have a hard time waiting for a raise. Some people are just wanting a raise every year, every six months, and they want to get to that next position right away, and they want to uh, make that a six-digit uh, 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 income right away. And, and, uh, and, 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 and as we think about this millennial generation, they want the easy way out all the time. And uh, we have a hard time waiting for a package. How I many have Amazon Prime? Raise your hand. few of you all. If you don't have one, get one. It's good, all right? And, uh, but, uh, 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 you might even want to invest in Amazon through stocks, but, you know, uh, Amazon Prime, I think most of us have it. And, uh, you know, we want to get those items in two days. And anything more than two days is not a standard anymore. Yeah. And, uh, it should come in two days. And if it comes at nighttime, you're thinking, oh, when is it going to come? You should have come in the morning. And, and, uh, you know, and you could even, uh, pay six more dollars to come in one day. And Amazon is now promoting, you know, you could just uh, uh, get your item on that same day if you just order before 12 o'clock or something like that. You know, we live in a very fast-paced society. If you want something, you could get it right away. You don't need to wait. And, uh, and it's very prevalent, and it's been somewhat embedded in this society, especially as we live in Los Angeles. And waiting and having to pause 
is seldom found in this busy society. We are in every way pressured to be busy or pressured to be active or to get something all the time. And a time of waiting, a time of patience, and a time of pause are, not, are lost in the fast-driven society of doing and accomplishments. And, uh, but we need to recognize this morning the Word of God clearly speaks of waiting and having patience. A time to pause. A time to wait. A time to meditate. A time to wonder and also even uh, think about the great, wonderful working of God so that you may have peace in your soul and you have peace in your heart and so that you may have a sound mind. Oh, we're encouraged to wait upon Him for His help and sometimes we're desperate, sometimes we're thinking... I wonder where my help is going to come from. And you seek your relative, you seek your family, you seek your parents, you seek your friends. But let us recognize that the greatest help that we could ask for is from up above. It's from God. The Bible says in Psalm 33, verse 20, I appreciate the sound men just doing this every week. I appreciate what they do and and appreciate uh, always keeping up with me on the verses. Our soul waited for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. You know, Psalmist says, our soul, he didn't just say my soul. There was some unity upon the believers and the people who believed in God. And they said, our soul waited for the Lord. There's trouble on every side, but our soul is calm because our help is from the Lord. Um, we are waiting for him. And ladies and gentlemen, I wonder how your soul is today. Are you panicking? Are you thinking, I wonder if I could get through this trial, or go through this difficulty? Or are you trying in every way, try to be uh, control of everything that you do, and, and uh, you're not seeking the Lord, you're not waiting for the Lord's help? We encourage to not only wait for his help, but to wait upon him for strength. The Bible says in Psalm 27, verse 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, sometimes we want to strengthen our own lives. We want to be strong in our own diligence, in our own planning, and in our own perception. But the Bible says... He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, the greatest strength comes from the omnipotent. It's not us, it's not you, it's not any other people around you, it's not the function of any work or organization. No, it's from the Spirit of the Lord God. And He will strengthen your heart. Be of good courage. And uh, we are encouraged to wait upon him because of his promise and his word. In Psalm 130, verse 5, the Bible says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. And I hope your uh, 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 longing of faith and hope is in the Lord and not in any man or not in yourself. We're encouraged to wait upon Him as we pray, and sometimes we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray. You're thinking, I wonder when the answer will come. I wonder when God will give us a solution, when God will give me the solution. 
And the uh, uh, Bible says in, in Micah 7, 7, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the Lord of my salvation. My God will hear me. You know, uh, when you're praying, you're thinking that God doesn't hear you. No, he hears you. He hears you very clearly. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I wonder if you are in every way waiting for those prayers answer in the right heart, in the right mind? Or are you trying to just hurry through in your life? We are encouraged to wait upon Him for renewal and revival too. And Isaiah 40, verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you want a revival in your heart, you got to wait upon the Lord, too. And if you really want to see a better Christian life and growth in prayer and soul winning and, and, uh, and in the Word of God, hey, you need to wait upon Him. And by the way, waiting upon Him is not for you to just desert everything and just be in the corner somewhere and say, I'm waiting upon the Lord. No, you are just diligently walking with Him and just keep on doing what you're doing and I believe that at some point, as you are diligent and disciplined and, and you are surrendered to the Lord, God will renew your heart and God will strengthen your soul and God will give you that revival that you need to go to the second mile. And uh, I want to encourage you this morning to wait upon the Lord. The society says, don't wait. Just keep doing it. Just do what you want to do. And just plan your own life. And just get busy. That's all you need to do in your life. Just get busy. But ladies and gentlemen, the Lord has to be involved in our lives as Christians. And we need to wait upon the Lord for different timings of our lives and different decisions of our lives and different fruits of our lives and different results of our lives. Because our help is from Him. Our hope is in Him. Our revival comes from Him. Our strength is from Him. Wait upon the Lord. Worship Him as you wait. We might forget these instructions and encouragement because of the busyness of life, but let us remind ourselves this morning, God's will also involves waiting and having patience too. I think about the verse in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as thousand years and a thousand years as one day. You know, in the context, the writer is talking about the last days. And, uh, but he is, uh, he is giving the application, hey, don't you know that thousand years is like one day to the Lord? And one day like a thousand years. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, Time is not a matter to him. He is in eternity. It doesn't affect God at all. Like I said before, he's the author of our faith, and also he is the Alpha and Omega, and he is the beginning and the end. He sees everything done already. That's why he knows your future. That's how he knows what's going to happen tomorrow or even today. And he knows what his will is for you, whether through trial or through joy. So you seek the Lord, my friend. You wait upon the Lord and what he's going to do. I was praying last night and 
and I was praying about a particular person and also even about the church. And I just said, dear God, I pray that we would see your wonderful working. That we would not just try to plan something of our own, but we would kneel and pray and ask for your spirits leading. Where are you moving, Lord? We want to be where you are. And by the way, we want to be on God's side all the time. It's not the question of whether we are, uh, 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 if God is on our side. No, we, the question is, are we on God's side? Because God's will needs to be done for his glory. And sometimes we need to wait and just kneel and pray. Because he knows what he's doing. He has done it already. He is in eternity today. And by the way, thank God we don't serve a God who is just distance away and that we cannot talk to. Even though he's in eternity and we're confined in this time and everything's done for him, where we're still doing what we're doing, God still wants to get involved and he speaks to us every day and every moment of our lives. What a gracious God. What a wonderful God. And love the Lord Jesus Christ and love the Holy Spirit of God who wants to move and who wants to give you his will and wait upon him and live for him. In the context, the writer is talking about the last days and he writes the scoffers in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. Let's go back there. And the Bible says, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For the sins of father fell asleep. All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Now, is it God's will for him to come back the second time? Yes or no? Yes, it is. He will come back. Jesus will come back. He has already set a time, and he has already uh, set the schedule, and and he has set the day and the month, and everything is organized, and and he is not the author of confusion. What he has promised, he will fulfill, and he knows when he's going to do it. But the scoffers in Peter's day, they already mocked after several years. Where is the promise of his coming? Where is Jesus Christ? Where is this man who was crucified and that you say he rose again, ascended up in heaven, and to sit on the right throne of God? Where is this man? Just like the people in Noah's days. Where is the flood? And he, Peter gives that application too in the context. A thousand years is one day, and one day is a thousand years to God. God is eternal, and time is not of the essence. Just because God's not coming today or tomorrow, and we're not sure when he's going to come, that doesn't mean he's not going to come. He's still going to come. God's will will still be done. God's will for you will also will be done. You might not know, you know when it's going to happen. You might be thinking, I know it's God's will. I know God wants me to do this. I know God wants me to do this for my family and for our marriage and all these different things. You decide, you surrender, and you're thinking, Lord, when is it going to come? Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to come. If you're claiming his word and if you're praying and God hears your prayer, I guarantee you it will come. Just like the promise of his coming. Don't laugh and mock. I think about Sarah in the Bible. I remember Abram and Sarah, right, in the book of Genesis. And Christ and, and the angel of the Lord cry, uh, uh, comes and, and uh, uh, tells Abraham, you will have a son. And Sarah, on the other ten, what does she do? She laughs. 
and cries God, uh, 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 confronts, him, uh, confronts her, why did you laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh. She sure did. You know, sometimes we're laughing at God, even as Christians. Lord, you're worse at this. You said to pray. You told me to do all this, but nothing's happening. We laugh at God. We say, forget about it. You stop claiming his word. You stop praying. You stop going to church, and you start... You stop doing the things that you should do as a Christian. Go maybe witnessing and and have a heart of devotion. We laugh at God. And ladies and gentlemen, there is something called being still and know that he is God. Let's read Psalm 46, verse 10 together. I think it's the next scripture. Let's read this together. Ready? Be still and know that I am God. What a great verse. By the way, in the context, he's talking to the heathens and the wicked. And uh, I'm sorry, to, to, the, I mean, to the believer, as they see the world who is wicked and, and, and there are heathens and, and they're doing their sinful acts and God is assuring to the Christian or to the believer, hey, be still and know that I am God. I will avenge the heathens. I will avenge the world for their sins. But as we think about the application, what a great application. When there are so many different turmoils in our lives, and there's so many difficulties sometimes, you just got to take the time to pause and be still and know that he is God. Your family is a wreck. You know, you find great, wonderful peace coming to church with people smiling on their faces, but you go home and your family is a mess. Your parents are always fighting. Maybe some of you students have that kind of burden. And you may be some people in your family giving you a hard time going to church. And maybe some of you parents have a hard time in marriage today. And it's in your heart, it's in your mind. But I want you to be encouraged to know, just be still and know that he is God. Just be faithful. Just live for God. We think about this uh, wonderful man named Joseph. And Joseph had the experience of turmoil and disappointments and difficulties. Yes, he had a time of joy too, but he had a time of difficulties. And he had to trust the Lord, the God who was in control. He had to pause in the time of his life, I believe, to consider God's promise, God's word, God's will. It, might not, it was not happening at the moment. But he had to take some pause to know that he was doing something wonderful. And I want to encourage you this morning just to wait and be still know that he is God. What did God give to Joseph that encouraged him to pause and wait and to give glory? I'd like to share with you three gracious giving of God toward Joseph, which allowed 
that which, in which he allowed in his life, and which also could be applicable to us. Number one, if you're taking notes, it's in the bulletin. You can fill in the blank with us as we go along. There's a pen in front of you as well. First of all, God gave his presence. God gave his presence. And the patriarch moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. We see here that the brothers of Joseph sold him into slavery. What a terrible experience. His own blood betraying him. His own family member selling him to slavery. If you don't know the story of Joseph, uh, as, he, as, a, as a young man, as a, a son of Rachel, he was hated by his brethren because he was a son of uh, uh, Jacob's uh, uh, old age. And, and uh, he was somewhat revered and somewhat a favor among all the other brothers. So the other brothers hated him. And one day, uh, Joseph came along. Hey, I dreamed the dream that all of you made obeisance, and all of you bowed to me. He's speaking to all the brothers, the older brothers. Of course, they got mad. And he had another dream, and then uh, uh, his uh, uh, father, uh, uh, his father, his parents also are making obeisance. And his father gets mad, too. But soon after, as Joseph obeys his father to go look after what his brothers were doing in the field, he goes out there, his brothers cast him into a pit and sees people who are involved in trading, uh, trading slaves and sells Joseph into slavery. His own brother gets the garment and the robe of many colors Dips it, dips it into blood to make it seem like he died of a beastly attack. Presented Jacob, and Jacob, of course, sorrows and cries. But Joseph is still alive. He goes into Egypt. And Joseph was sold into Egypt. But the Bible says here, who was with him? His brother forsook him. His brothers betrayed him. His dad, his dad was not there to stand up for him anymore. He didn't have the robe of many colors. He didn't have uh, uh, the fine dining that he used to have as a son of Jacob. By the way, you know, the patriarchs are very rich. I think about it in the Bible, Abraham had 300 men trained to be soldiers. Those are just soldiers. And they have great flocks and, and great sheep and, and uh, great and wonderful uh, 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 treasures, and, and they are rich people. Now, Joseph is out of that scene now. He has chains uh, in his hand and his feet. He's probably naked, walking through the desert to go to Egypt. No one's with him. His brothers or his family, his mother, no one's with him. But the Bible says God was with him. What a great verse. You know, uh, if you're discouraged in your life and you're questioning God and you don't have any hope and you're thinking, God, what are you doing in my life? Realize that he is with you. He's still with you. Our God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Would you say that with me? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
God assures us, hey, no matter what's going on in your life, I am with you. You know, I think about the boat incident the disciples had to go through in that storm. And they're going through all this great wind, and, and the water is going up and down, and they look, it seemed like they're going to die. The, the right response that they had to have in that moment was, hey, Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. But what did they do? They said, Jesus, do you not care if we die? And I think some Christians are saying, Jesus, don't you care about the situation? Don't you care about my life? But your first thought should be, hey, Jesus is with me. Everything's going to be okay. He never forsook me. He never left me. I'm just going to wait upon him. He's going to calm the storm. He's going to say, peace, be still. Before before you start questioning God, realize that he is with you first. He is with me first. That's a great encouragement. I like what Apostle Paul said when he was in his ship. He said to the people, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Totally different response than the disciples, huh? Probably a worse storm. Bigger boat, by the way. More people. Probably more disaster, a bigger disaster he had to face. But he says, be of good cheer. I believe God. The angel of the Lord told me. He is with us. You see, that's the response we need to have as Christians. I'm going to be of good cheer, for I believe God. He is with me. He's giving his presence. Number two, God gave his favor. And delivered him out of all his affliction and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. You know, God desires to give us favor by his presence. When God allowed him to be sold into slavery, he gave his favor in the sight of Potiphar. When God allowed him to be put in prison, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, he gave his favor in the sight of the captain of the guard. But moreover, God gave him favor in the sight of the most powerful king on earth at that time, called Pharaoh. You see, God was in control. He based Joseph, but also he exalted Joseph. The Bible says in Psalm 75, verse 7, But God is a judge. He put it down one and set it up another. You know, pray for God's favor and power from on high. Wait for him. Let's not act, react so hastily. And sometimes as we are waiting upon the Lord and as we are just being still, knowing that he is God, we're still having doubt and thinking, I wonder if I have his favor. I wonder if he's going to really fulfill his will in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, just wait upon the Lord. His favor will come. His favor will come in your workplace. I know some of you get ridiculed and mocked for being a Christian, and, and uh, you know, uh, 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 you are somewhat 
uh, uh, put aside. And, and, uh, and, and also even your uh, uh, kind mannerism is somewhat looked down upon among your co-workers because all the other co-workers are gossiping and, and uh, always talking back and having indifference and, and having a very apathetic attitude and, and a hateful attitude toward other people and, and uh, just always uh, uh, somewhat uh, uh, talking back uh, 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 in different situations. And, and, but you are the oddball. You're the one always keeping the right testimony. And they look down upon you concerning that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, recognize the fact that God is with you and God always wins in his testimony. He always does. You just keep the good fight of faith and live for God. And by the way, Joseph had to do that. As he was in the Potiphar's house, he was a second man, and Potiphar's wife just tried to seduce him every day. He said to her one day, don't you know your husband gave me everything in this house except for you? And he said, how could I sin against God? Not against Potiphar. How could I sin against God? You know what he was saying? God gave me this favor. God gave me this blessing. How could I sin against him? And through all those temptations, he said, I am not going to just let you have me. I'm not going in any way to be seduced by you. And by the way, he had to run away. He even left his garment. By the way, second time, he had to leave his garment. First time, by his own brothers. And second time, probably the garment probably showed who he was in the house, even at Potiphar's house. And he had to leave that garment to keep integrity, to keep righteousness in his heart. By the way, I preached this last Sunday night. What good is identity if you don't have sincerity? Joseph had the robe of colors, but he had the right integrity in his heart. Even though the robe was gone, guess what? His heart was still the same. And I think about, oh, I had two pens in here. All right, sorry about that. And he had to leave his garment once again at Potiphar's house to what? Keep his integrity. Keep sincerity. And when the robe or the garment left, his heart forgot the name. You know, some of you Christians, or some of us, even myself, when God removes the blessing, when God removes the outward things that we enjoy so much, our heart also goes along with it. God removes your job, and your heart toward God goes along with it. You had the identity, but you never had the sincerity. What happened? I think it's because you forgot who gave you that job. You forgot who was in control. You forgot who you serve. You don't serve 
your work or your company. You serve God in that place. God is the one that's giving you that favor. Don't forget that. Favor is wonderful. Now where things are great, enjoy it. But you serve God. You love God. Not things. Not positions. Not identities. The Lord spoke to my heart this past week and just smote my heart. I was having a lot of prayer requests. The Lord smote my heart and he said, why do you want money? I said, you're God because you have everything. But he asked me again, why do you want so many things that I have? Why don't you want me? And he said, I need you to stop seeking mine. I need you to seek me. I surrendered to the Lord. I said, dear God, I seek not yours, but I seek you. I got clouded with just getting prayers answered. I forgot who was answering those prayers. I forgot who I was talking to. I forgot the God of God and the King of King and the Lord of Lords. I forgot the one who died on the cross. I forgot the relationship. Because I was so worried about things. So I said, dear God, I seek you, not yours. I seek you first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. Thank God for favor. But realize that favor is from the Father. It's from God. That's what Joseph had to realize every time he took off his garment. And ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 26, many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. Realize that favor is from God. We give glory to him. The favor goes. That doesn't mean God goes. Realize that God is still with you. And at the end, of course, Joseph was in a position to be the governor of Egypt. Why God exalted him so high? Because when he was down here, He worshiped God, not favors. And he exalted him again. He worshiped God, not just favors. And he said, and God said, now you're ready to be the governor of Egypt because you love me and I love you. Let me give you this favor. With that in mind, number three, uh, God gave his plan. God is not the author of confusion. He does everything decently in order. God had a plan for Joseph's life. Number one, a plan through affliction. i got to hurry. Now, there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan or Shannon and great affliction, and our fathers found no sustenance. You know, God created, caused a great affliction to, in the land of Egypt, and, and Canaan just 
uh, and just in those two places according to the scripture. Why for Joseph? For such a time as this. He brought out the great dearth and the great affliction in those two lands so that Joseph could be taken out of prison, for that Joseph to be a governor, for Joseph to be delivered for his family and the greatest empire at that time. And why does God allow sorrow and affliction in the world today or maybe around us so that we may be used of God too? So that we may shine the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we may shine the gospel in our family, to our sisters and brothers, to our parents. And you might have a a messed up situation around you, but God wants you to be the Joseph. God has a plan for you for such a time as this. And you need to pause for a moment that God wants to use you. In the time of affliction, in the time of need. Why are people lost around you so that you can share the gospel with them? Why are people so unchurched around you so that you may invite them to church? We can't go to the corner. Oh, the world is so bad. Oh, my neighbors are so wicked. Oh, my plumber is a Always cursing every time he comes. You know. He's just, you know, you think the world is so bad. But why don't you concentrate on how good our God is? And this world needs God. How many believe that? This world needs God. God could change their life. And ladies and gentlemen, God wants to use you. So in the time of affliction, the time of trial, wait and pause and think why you were there in that situation. Because God wants to use you. Let it be a plan for his promise. What God promised, he will fulfill. He promised to Joseph. When Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. And, and uh, as we think about the scripture in verse 13, and at the second time, Joseph was made known. The first time, I believe, as we think about the scripture in the context, he's talking about when Joseph was a young man, when he was just a little brother. And the other brothers, like Levi and Simeon and Reuben, just looked down upon him. This little spoiled little brat. You know? That's the first time. But the Bible says the second time he healed him to the brothers. He was no little brother anymore. He was a governor of Egypt. You see, God promised to Joseph, your brothers will make obedience to you your father too, that day will come, and God revealed it in the second time, and he fulfilled what he promised. It took about 20 plus years, but God did it. Ladies and gentlemen, what God has promised to you, he will fulfill it. He has a plan. Don't forget that. 
And he will reveal the second time the great glory and the great answer. Just re- wait for that second time. And by the way, what a great, wonderful picture of Jesus Christ, of Joseph. When Christ was here for the first time, Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that he was a servant. That word servant in the Greek is talking about bond slave. Talking about a slave. And Joseph was also a slave too, wasn't he? And Jesus, the second time when he's revealed, he's not going to be a bond slave anymore. He's going to be what? The king. And Joseph's life was a great picture of Jesus Christ. And by the way, your life is a great picture of Jesus Christ. When you're obeyed, you're becoming like Jesus, just climbing that Calvary road, bearing your cross, taking the shame, taking the affliction, taking those trials. You're being abased. But one day, ladies and gentlemen, you will be exalted. Not only in this life, but up in heaven. You will have your crowns. You will be the saints of God. You will be in heaven forever and ever. And you'll realize that Jesus always wins. And ladies and gentlemen, Don't forget his promise. Don't forget. Secondly, a promise to Abraham. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him, and all his kindred, three score and fifteen souls. This promise goes way back, three generations back. And not only did he fulfill the promise to Joseph, but he fulfilled the promise to Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. So God was in control of all this time, in the time of Isaac, in the time of Jacob. And when Joseph Joseph was sold into slavery, and, and he was into prison, and, and as he was uh, uh, exalted as governor, God said, hey, I'm fulfilling all this because I promised it to your great-grandfather, Abraham. And you might be thinking today, oh, I wonder if God knows what he's doing. You know, God already foreknew what he was doing before even you were born. Amen? Yeah. He knew you before you were born. God is not just a God of the past or the present or the future. No, we serve a God of eternity. Think about my life. I lost my dad when I was 10 years old. And uh, my mom was the first one that got saved. She went through a lot because my dad wasn't saved. But he died. And before he passed away, he got saved. He got born again. And uh, I came to the States, grew up here. Learning English, still learning English, amen? Okay. <laughs> My grammars are not all that perfect. That's why I married an English major, amen? As soon as she said, I'm an English major, would you marry me? <laughs> um, 
But just through it all, I just realized that God knew what he was doing. And for me to stand here and to preach to you, it's all because of the grace of God. I could be doing something else today, but God was in control. God knew what he was doing. I don't want you to think that I'm being crude, but I thank God that I grew up without a dad. You might be thinking, don't you want a dad? Yeah, of course I do. But I, I realized God's will for me was that I don't have a dad ever since the age of 10. That's God's will for me. You know what? You know how that helps me? It helps me to be a better father, trying to do my best to invest in my children as much as possible in their young age. By the way, I remember those nights just having devotion with my children over and over again. Some of them just half, just, just half asleep. I'm thinking, I wonder if they're listening to this. I'm so grateful. Just a few weeks ago, my daughter was able to tell me her salvation testimony. She got saved. And uh, thank God for Mrs. Brooks, Brother Harry. And we questioned her. We asked her multiple times. She got saved. I'm so glad that in every way, I was somewhat forced and somewhat burdened just to give my children the word of God more because my father never gave that to me. And I want to give it to my children much more because I have a great deal of absence of it. Now, I'm sure you feel the same way, maybe, if you're a first-generation or second-generation Christian. Or you feel the great burden, you feel the great longing be a better parent, to be a better father and mother, to instill in your child more greater about the things of God. Annabelle came up to me yesterday and she asked me, when am I going to get baptized? And I said, Pastor Choi has to come back. I know we need to talk and get set up for baptism. And uh, she's just so excited about her salvation testimony. I'm just telling you today, that's all by the grace of God. And all, work, all things work together for good to them that love God. Josiah, the other day, as Annabelle shared her testimony with her mom, Josiah, listened to all that. And, and Josiah was, I don't know, about to cry, or he had a sad face. He said, I don't know how to say all that. You know, he has a soft heart. You know, he, he wants to go to heaven. He talked about it before. He doesn't want to go to hell. He wants to go to heaven. But he said, I don't know how to say all that. I don't know how to do it. But God's preparing his heart. I'm just simply saying that God has a plan for you, father and mother. God has a plan for you, student. There's a reason why you're a Christian today at the age of 20 or 22 as a young man. Now, when you're 50 or 60, God has a plan for you to have a Christian family then. 
for you to be a godly father and to marry a godly, godly wife who loves the Lord, to raise a godly family for the next generation and another generation and another generation. There is a reason why you're a Christian as a young man. I want to encourage you. Just wait until the end. We will see. Our faith will end.